We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Royal Wire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by NoHalftime.com. Derek Van Riper joined today by Nick Whalen. It is the Monday following week three. It's September 26th, I think. I don't know. Last I checked, yes. Fall or something. It was like 52 degrees when I got in the car. I kind of like it, though. I I prefer this like early part of fall to most other parts of the year, which means I should probably live in some other northwestern corner of this country, but... 
I live where I live because I actually kind of like it. Uh, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, if they allow reviews, please give us a review and a rating. If you like this pod, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks to those of you who have already done that. Uh, quick weekend review before we dive into the week three slate. Jersey's scene this weekend. Anything good that uh, came your way as you uh, roamed about downtown Madison? You know, not as good as I as I, we've seen in past weeks. Um, you know, especially over the summer, that's when you're going to get your peak jerseys when people are you know wearing them out to the bars and stuff. Um, and now, EDM like, shows too, EDM as, as I shows. found when I went to the Zed show last year. Right. Um, and this weekend was a little bit more mild, uh, not quite as mild as it is out outside uh, today. But a little bit chilly, I think, to just be wearing a jersey. So we didn't see a ton. Uh, I didn't work on Friday. I was off. But I, I was walking around downtown, and I saw a Gerald Wallace Charlotte Bobcats jersey with the sleeves cut off. Uh, the gentleman wearing the jersey was playing Frisbee, which oh. seems about right. Um, Does it? So there was that, I guess. I don't, I don't know. What is, is there a proper activity or something you should be doing when you're wearing a Gerald Wallace jersey. I don't know what type of person wears a Gerald Wallace jersey to begin with, but then like hacks the sleeves off it like and those, is like, yeah, this is my shirt for working out. And those were like some of the worst jerseys in any sport ever. Those those like late Charlotte Bobcats jerseys, you know, the ones basically right before they uh, re you know kind of took back the Hornets name. Uh, so it's not a cool looking jersey. Gerald Wallace is a, is a cool player, I guess. You know, I think I would have gone Portland Gerald Wallace jersey myself. Uh, but that's just me. I also saw a Raleigh Fingers San Diego Padres jersey outside of a liquor store. That's about where I'd expect to see yeah. a Padres Raleigh yeah, Fingers jersey. Yeah, the guy looked like he had just made a big purchase. He actually he's actually carrying a cardboard box full of, I, I didn't see what was in 40s it. 40s like probably? Large, yeah, it was like something that, was well, like what they give you when you buy like multiple cases of beer or like, you know, seven bottles of liquor. Like where They're like, we can't bag this up. We're just going to give you this box. Yeah, you got to go box because the glass right. would just so fall So he, right he was through. on his way to a good night, great jersey, uh, probably made some strong purchases at the liquor store. Probably playing some, like, Raleigh 40 hands game or something that we don't even know about <laughs> yet. Uh, any hot tubs visited or O for the weekend no, on I'm, tubs? Uh, yeah, I went O for, again, two straight weekends now without a hot tub. Hot tub season's coming to a, you know, it's dangerously close to the end here. I don't have any hot tubs that I'm planning on visiting in the near future, uh, I traveled a lot this summer. That's kind of where all the hot tubs came in. I, I don't typically spend that much time in hot tubs, uh, so I don't know. I mean, do you think RotoWire can can set something up? Well, I mean, there are hotels downtown. If right. you just politely well, like walk well, in, I'm, I'm and speaking financially, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not doing this pro bono again. I I have no control over this company or anything that's happening in this company. So you got the wrong guy. Um, I would like I would like to see the reaction if I send that that email to to Tim Schuler requesting that they book hot tubs for me. Right, Schuler or Shanky. Just see if we can just get to, a company. I somehow we have to relate it to fantasy sports, and I just don't know if that's possible. Well, you could you could bring up the Capri Bibbs mm-hmm. encounter as like, hey, this will be a good way for us to get interviews with athletes. Like they, you know, athletes like hot tubs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, probably ten percent of the hot tubs that I've been in in the last three or four years have resulted in talking to an NFL player. So yeah, that's a it's a pretty good go. pretty good outcome. Let's talk week three: Bills thirty three, Cardinals eighteen. Just speaking a good outcome. Just the way we all expected it. Yeah, this. This game absolutely destroyed me. I, th- I believe that the Cardinals were my survivor pick. I've kind of been too scared to even check. Um, you don't even remember? No. No, I don't. Um, I thought rule number one of survivor was to not use a road team. 
So that was the first rule. And the second rule abide, is to not I don't abide pick. by those rules. When the road team is the Cardinals and the home team is the Bills, I thought I was going to be okay. Well, I, I would have thought you were fine, too, because I think I said something to the effect of the Cards are going to win this game by double digits, even though they're favored yeah, by three I and a half. I like, I, I'm almost positive it. I said that. I if had it, no doubts going into this the game. Listeners like nodding along, like, yeah, you did. You said that, you idiot. You, you yeah. actually thought the Cardinals were going to destroy the Bills. Like, most people thought that because that's where the distribution of money was. So, as how I did at the cover site? How were the Jets just able to shred this defense last week? We, I, I, mean, I don't happened. know. The Jets, the Jets like peed all over the carpet the way like a puppy does when the first yeah. day you have a puppy. And the Bills, on a day where LaShawn McCoy nearly ran for more yards than Tyrod Taylor passed for. It's mm-hmm. one by 15. The defense actually showed up. Carson Palmer didn't play well, and it led to fantasy Twitter doing its usual thing and saying, hey, mm-hmm. is Carson Palmer done? And I don't think he's done because I think the weapons around him are good enough where it ensures he's not terrible. Right. That being said, maybe Palmer is back to being a 7.2, 7.4 YPA guy as opposed to the 8-plus he was getting a year ago. Like That, that could be a very plausible scenario even even with those weapons around him and it may become an offense that's more balanced than we expected where David Johnson actually is the star on a week-to-week basis because they're not blowing teams out yeah I think there's no debate that David Johnson's the best player the most talented player in this offense I think you know we talked about this in the preseason that they don't necessarily want this to be David Johnson carrying the offense I think he's probably the, the player that's most capable of doing that but I think ideally you know, this is still a balanced attack where they don't have to lean too heavily on David Johnson, at least not until the playoffs. Um, but the way it's looking now, they might not really have much of a choice. I mean, like you said, Carson Palmer, f- no touchdowns, four picks, sacked five times, uh, turned in the old QBR of 13.4. Uh, luckily for him, he was overshadowed uh, by Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think. So, you know, we haven't really heard too many people talking about Carson Palmer's poor performance. But I mean, which, what Cardinals team is this now? We have one game where they've played okay, but it didn't look great against New England in week one. One game where they looked really, really good against Tampa Bay in week two, and now one where they looked really, really bad in week three. Probably a team that wins nine or ten games, and if they're playing well at the end of the year, will be dangerous come playoff time, mm-hmm. but they're going to go as far as Carson Palmer can take them. Palmer can still be an Achilles heel for them, and that's that's the concern you have to have if you're a Cardinals fan. But if you look at the offense and the way David Johnson was using this one, 111 yards from scrimmage, a couple TDs, do you look at Johnson as a player that if you were drafting today for the rest of the season, he'd crack the big three? Like he'd go ahead of one of Julio Jones or Odell Beckham or Antonio Brown or maybe two of those guys. I don't think he'd go ahead of Brown. It's tough. I mean, like Beckham's been good, but he still hasn't been Beckham good. You but know? but they realized yesterday, I think, that they have to just force the ball yeah. to Odell Beckham. I don't know why they didn't know that coming into the season. I, I pointed this out the list. I mean, Ben McAdoo is from the Mike McCarthy coaching tree. How good can he possibly be as a coach, given McCarthy's <laughs> shortcomings? I mean, Joe Philbin was a disaster in Miami. Which anyway, what kind of tree is that even? Like, what's 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 like the scrawniest tree? You know the you know the the tree that drops crab apples all over yeah. the lawn. You can't crab eat apple the apples. Tree. All you do is you hit them with the lawnmower. It or breaks the lawnmower. Club, yeah. The golf club is a good way to clear those out. Oh, like yeah. to me, that's what McCarthy is: crab apple tree. Sure. No, that's fair. I, I don't know a ton about trees, but I, I like that one. Yeah, or maybe like tree a tree guy. Slightly like dead a cactus. Yeah, slowly know. decaying. I've been a cactus. I'm pretty sure is not technically a tree, but then again, I didn't take a lot of botany classes, so I. Wait, I don't, what is it if it's not a tree? Just a just a big plant. It's a plant. Yeah, it's part of the plant family. Are trees technically plants? Yeah, though? right. I, like plant is not like a scientific term, is it? Are I can't believe it's come to this trees 
plans. We'll cover this more detail on the Rotowire Botany Podcast. Yes, stay tuned for the Botany Podcast this afternoon. And no Sammy Watkins in this one. Charles Clay didn't do anything, and the Bills defense put up a 35 spot in uh, in DFS. So that's 35. That's how it went down. Uh, by the way, a tree is a perennial plant, technically, so they're all one big family. All Keep right. that in mind. Packers 34, Lions 27, first half Packer offense looking like the pre-2015 model, and the second half looked like the 2015 model was back again. Uh, Randall Cobb's lack of output, perhaps a concern, although Aaron Rodgers missed him in the end zone. And game flow, I think, was a major culprit because Jordy Nelson had seven targets. Nobody else had more than three. And Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 24 times because he threw four TD passes in the first half. So if you are concerned about Randall Cobb, like I'm there with you. I have some concerns, but this game is not the one that leads you to, you know, like bury him coming out of the bye in week four. I think this is actually a reasonable buy low sort of opportunity on him because kind of like Golden Tate on the other side of this game, he just hasn't been involved as much as you'd expect, but you don't look at the way the offense is built and expect that to continue as a norm going forward. Yeah, I think you look at the score, and especially the first half score, and it doesn't necessarily match up with what you would expect numbers-wise. I mean, four touchdowns in the first half, Rodgers only finishes with 205 yards, only 15 completions, um, and Jordy Nelson, you know, seven targets, like you said, leading the way, no one else more than three. Um, I'm not too worried, I guess. I mean, it was it was almost like a suspiciously dominant first half to the point where, you, you know, you're, you're not surprised, I guess, at the Lions. It, things kind of evened out, I guess. Uh, in the second half, but I mean, Green Bay went into ultra conservative mode, just like I think probably most people expected, um, and really only had three real drives uh, in that second half. You know, the, the Detroit Lions took 12 plays in their first drive, 10 plays in their next drive, took a lot of time off the clock, uh, and Green Bay went, you know, field goal, punt, punt, and then did have one final drive where they were essentially just running out the clock. Um, what's going on in your shirt there? Nothing's wrong with my shirt. I'm just thinking more about the logistics of it as I uh, continue yeah, to wear can it all day. Yeah, you give just a brief, do you want me to do it or do you want to describe what's going on there? Why don't you describe what you see and I'll decide if I agree with that assessment. We'll just get okay. you the full view yeah, here. Yeah, let me, is there anything on the back? Uh, it's like an advertisement okay. for the bar that made them. Oh, sure. Okay, so it's a black t-shirt. It features uh, Bucky Badger. However, he is wearing a Packers tank top. He, uh, looks yeah. like a sweater, actually. Kind of a sweater. sleeves, though. Well, uh, Bucky cut the sleeves off like the Gerald Wallace sure. guy. Okay, so Bucky's wearing a Packers cutoff sweater with Milwaukee Bucks, what look to be authentic shorts like those. Game used. Uh, he's stepping on a basketball. He's holding a football. And in his other arm, he's gripping a Milwaukee Brewers-labeled baseball bat. He's also wearing a cheese head that has deer antlers coming out of it. So this is basically an amalgamation of all Wisconsin sports wrapped up. I feel like if you had to embody chris benzine's fanhood in one shirt he'll probably buy that off you it would be this shirt it was it was a birthday gift from my parents it's a great shirt yeah my Um, mom loves it usually you see a lot of these you know wisconsin slash packers slash brewers matchups the bucks usually don't make the cut so i'm glad to see that yeah i was really happy they they released that. that like combined logo I don't know. I don't know if this, this was never an official. I don't, th- I don't think that was released yeah, by any of those well, three released, teams. It was released by someone on the internet. It, it combined the, the Brewers logo, the Badgers logo, and the Packers. I think just were involved. three. Yeah, yeah. No mention of you know the professional basketball team that predated Giannis being a Buck That's though. True. And I think once Giannis and Jabari Parker Johnny and now Ryan, Thon yeah. Marker and and yeah, Job. Thon Marker, did you say? What? Did you say Thon Marker? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. I may have yeah, said Thon sir. Marker right, accidentally. Thon Maker. But yes. Okay. Anyway, uh, the Packer offense, I just, 
I saw a couple things that that still bothered me. Devonte Adams was like targeted in the red zone again, and he scored. He caught the ball. That's good. That's going. Uh, Eddie Lacy, you know, looked fine, but the lack of a tight end is going to be a problem for them. Jared Cook left this game, I think, yeah. with an injury, didn't return. Richard Rodgers. Shoulder pad with what should have been a long completion. He did right, <laughs> that, right. That in was the one of those that pad. didn't look quite so bad in real time, and they showed the replay as it goes right through his hands and just smacks him in the shoulder. I just think they they've proven over time that Jermichael Finley was actually a pretty important piece to the offense before. Not a great person. He suffered that great knee injury. Player. Yeah, I mean, the, the career knee neck injury. Like he's such a good player that open some things up for the receivers on the outside. So that tight end spot maybe is more important than we ever realized. So that's my big concern uh-huh. still looking at this offense as a whole. But Eddie Lacy ran well, 17 carries, 103 yards. Uh, the problems otherwise are on defense. I mean, Marvin Jones looked better than Stephon Diggs even uh-huh. uh, against a very inexperienced secondary. No Sam Shields, no Morgan Burnett. Uh, Demarius Randall has been just getting abused early on this year. And with Marvin Jones, I mean... It, any any number one receiver going up against the Packers right now, so long as Shields is out, is yeah. basically a must play. And if it's a cheaper, like second tier type, like Jones, then mm-hmm. it, if you're not chasing that player in DFS, you're making a huge mistake. Yeah, the Packers' rush defense looked really, really good for most of this game, especially in the first half. Um, but you know, towards the end of the second quarter, and then obviously into the third quarter, the, the pass defense started to become a pretty huge liability. And you know, Detroit being down, just had to get away from the run. Um, I mean, the Marvin Jones thing, like six for 205, two touchdowns look great. The 73 yard touchdown was a little bit fluky. Uh, who was the cornerback out there? <laughs> that was there wasn't one on frame weird yeah right exactly i did, well, I I did mean, the rewatch that play to like know he had a chance to make that tackle and was just just late reacting like it was he was surprised maybe that it was completed and was kind of jogging for a couple steps before jones was able to shake free what was a, a pretty pathetic tackle effort at that point um you know i think most cornerbacks probably bring him down for a 20 or 30 yard gain not a 73 yard uh touchdown but i mean are you worried about golden tate at all four catches 40 yards not a complete dud but he has not lived up to expectations through three weeks. I'm worried about the target volume because he was targeted six times when Matthew Stafford threw it 41 times. Right. Nine targets to Riddick, this six to Bolden. Great, you know, it's not like they had a shutdown corner blanketing him. No, Ebron was targeted eight times. Ebron's role seems to be up. Bolden is a non-zero contributor right now. He actually looks okay when they when they get him involved. So with Jones kind of looking at the number one, Golden Tate's almost being used the way he was being used in Seattle again, which is kind of scary and unexpected just based on how heavily involved he was in previous instances without Kelvin Johnson. So, you know, the personnel changes make a big difference, but six, nine, and seven for the target volumes, I guess the the nine in week two is encouraging enough where if you have Golden Tate in a full point PPR league, you're not you're not completely dumping him or like dropping shares for 60 cents in the dollar or something like that but is he still a must start in leagues where you start three receivers probably not yeah not a must start as we always say you know it's dependent on who you have behind him but it you know i think if you invested in golden tate high enough in a draft or paid enough in an auction you probably don't have great great options if you have to use him as your third receiver i don't think that's the end of the world I didn't see this coming, and uh, no. the other thing with the Lions, of course, is the running game in the absence of Amir Abdullah. Uh, Dwayne Washington, I mean, that, that's that's where the value looks like it's going to be as far as the carries go. He split carries with Riddick this week, but he was much better with the carries he received. 10 for 38 from Washington, 10 for 9 from Riddick. Riddick's role in the passing game isn't going away anytime soon, but I think Washington's going to be the guy that maybe gets two-thirds of the carries which includes the goal line work, and that's going to be good enough for him to be a low-end RB2, probably more likely a flex consideration in most matchups. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly with you on that. Can we talk a little Raiders? Do you want to talk Raiders? I mean, they, I they've won this game 17-10. Latavius Murray's workload is a problem. 10 carries, 37 yards, and a score. Uh, yeah, the TD run was a 22-yarder, so he wasn't very good around that. We're seeing uh, seeing Jalen Richard. We're seeing uh, DeAndre Washington. We're, we're seeing players getting more touches than you'd expect in situations where Murray would seemingly be the bell cow. Michael Crabtree basically did what I thought Amari Cooper would do in this matchup, so their lines look kind of reversed. I probably underestimated Crabtree during draft season, but I think the more I look at the Titans, the more I think this actually is a pretty decent defense and a team that runs the ball pretty well, looking mm-hmm. at what Murray and Henry were doing yesterday as well. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to look at going back to week one for the Titans, you know, when they were playing the Sean Hill iteration of the Vikings, who are now a completely different team. But, I mean, they, they've probably played the Vikings just as well as, as Green Bay and Carolina did overall. Um, Mariota, you know, with a, a couple costly giveaways in that game that ultimately cost them. But um, I, I thought the Raiders would win bigger in this game. I'm still not all on board with Tennessee, but they, they find ways to hang around at least. And, and there is something to be said about that. Um, I'm with you as far as being concerned on Latavius Murray. 10 for 37, did have the touchdown to kind of bail out fantasy owners. I believe that was on his first carry of the game, 22 yards. Uh, I think I would describe it as a scamper. He he did uh, juke a couple defenders on that. I think it it was in scamper territory, but you take that away, nine carries for 15 yards. Yeah, that's a big problem. So I'm a little nervous if I've got shares of Latavius Murray. I don't in my leagues, but if I'm a Murray owner, I'm concerned even though he's still the lead back there it's just more of a timeshare than anybody would have expected Marcus Mariota didn't play well in this one 6.5 yards per attempt had a couple of picks I believe he lost a fumble as well no Delaney Walker for the Titans which I thought would mean good things for Tajay Sharp it didn't maybe the extra attention worked against him but the bottom line here is that Mariota doesn't have to be great for the Titans to win games but he has to be at least good especially in situations where they fall behind because they don't have a great group of pass catchers, so he has to kind of elevate their play with good decision-making and, and avoiding those costly mistakes. Yeah, I think what we've seen so far is he can play average to slightly below average football, and they'll still be in games, which I think in some way is a good sign. Um, you know, If you assume that he starts playing better and, and, and makes the strides that people believe he can make in year two, then you know, a 17-10 to 10 game like this, or, or even last week, you know, it came down to the wire against Detroit, you get better play out of Marcus Mariota, maybe this game goes the other way. Titans now 0-2 at home, so that's not boding well in their hopes of dethroning they, Houston or India top the division. So so usually my Sundays go one of two ways, depending on how the Jaguars go. I shouldn't say usually. I mean, now it's it, one the way. last couple of years it's been they've been going one way. But, um, you know, so my I have some friends who will text me apologies. That's how bad it was yesterday. I Just started getting sorry. sympathy. Yeah, you know, usually the first couple of weeks of the season, like, I have friends who are fans of Eagles, Patriots, Packers, whoever. You know, we're always talking trash. But it's gotten to the point already now where – I've become like the sympathetic guy in the group chat where, you know, everybody's talking sauce about the Patriots and the Eagles, but then nobody, you know, nobody will touch the Jaguars. It's kind of like one of those subjects you just don't, you just don't bring it up. You know, they know that it's touchy. And I got two apology texts yesterday. Just sorry, man. You know, it's it's week three already. and We're already in that zone. Um, But what was I going to look up now? Oh yeah. Titans losing situation. The Titans are now two and 16 at home. Since the start of 2014, both of those wins coming against the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> that is outstanding. Dolphins 30, Browns 24. Terrell Pryor was the story in this one. How about eight catches for 144 yards, four Heisman carries? performance. It was. Four carries for 21 yards. He what completed he three do? passes. He played Why was he safety. Playing safety. Was that just a Hail Mary? 
situation? I, I don't I want to say he was in at the end of the half because they thought I they think so. Play. Okay, yeah. I he think was not just lining up at safety. No, I think it was kind of like when the Lions would throw uh-huh. Megatron out there for a play, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, legitimate question from, uh, from Nick in Madison. Better athlete, Terrell Pryor or Airbud? Wow, that question came out of nowhere. I don't know where that came from. Uh, well, you got to think. Okay, so Terrell Pryor played quarterback. He played receiver. He played safety. Uh, obviously, he was a great quarterback at the college level. That said, Airbud, World Series MVP, volleyball player, mm-hmm. football player, basketball player. Yeah, San, player. Sands one leg too. I think for Soccer part of that, player. right? Did he have a, did he have a three leg situation for a little while? I, I thought that, that's what a do dog you mean for a little while. I like, thought did the leg could come back. I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I think I think Airbud lost a leg at one point. Didn't that happen? Uh, did I dream that? Was that a nightmare? I'm pretty sure you dreamt that. Yeah. I don't think so. I thought there was something wrong with Airbud later in like life. In, oh, possibly, and not in any of the movies. Well, I, I think those are doc- I, I, sorry, I think I shouldn't say movies; they're documentaries. Might have been a CGI That's sort possible. of situation. Yeah. So uh, my answer is Airbud. I think it's a toss-up, but it's probably Airbud. It's not surprising. I think okay. you've you've seen every installment of that franchise. They're on uh, a lot. As far as the Browns go, otherwise, I mean, we saw Duke Johnson more involved, Gary Barnage more involved, Cody Kessler didn't completely embarrass himself in, in a difficult spot. I mean, nobody expected him to be starting games at all this year, let alone in Week Three. I thought the Dolphins would just be all over the Browns after two tough matchups at Seattle, at New England, to begin the season. They needed overtime to win this game. Kenyon Drake, Jay Ajayi splitting carries, Ajayi scoring the game-winning TD late, of course. And, and that's just like one of those things where if in that situation Adam Gaze is giving Jay Ajayi the ball, then he trusts him enough for Ajayi to take on a larger role uh, if Arian Foster continues to miss time. I believe the Dolphins have the short week. They play Thursday night, and Foster's mm-hmm. already been ruled out for that game. Ryan Tannehill finished this one 25 of 39 for 319, three TDs. They have a couple picks. That's what made this game interesting early on. 8.2 yards per attempt against the Cleveland defense that you pretty much wanted to stream quarterbacks against week in and week out from a DFS standpoint. Yeah, uh, you, you would think. Yeah, I mean, Tannehill threw a pick on the second pass of the game, threw a pick six later in the first half that, that, like you said, allowed Cleveland to hang around. But this never should have really been all that close. And Cleveland probably should have won the game. I mean, there, there was a missed field goal uh, right at the end of regulation um, by, by Colquitt that, that probably, or excuse me, Cody Parkey, 46-yarder that, that I think most NFL kickers probably make, not if you play for the Cleveland Browns. Um, and that led to overtime for the, I believe, Jay Ajayi had a, a walk-off run in this game yeah he walked it off with the game-winning score in overtime you're staring at your weak fantasy opponent you're thinking to yourself i would love to challenge just one of his players not his entire team but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do that now you can on the all-new no halftime app the no halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams i think nick is sending me a challenge right now for example you could pit odell beckham versus antonio brown cam newton versus aaron Rodgers, or even zeke elliott versus todd Gurley. creating a challenge takes seconds Accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No Halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. Ravens 19, Jags 17. I thought this was your, this was your game. I thought this was the, the win. 
this is the I really first one. This, I didn't think so, to be honest with you, and it's easier to say in retrospect, but I, I picked against the Jags in, in my, my weekly pick'em leagues, and you know, once again, they came through. Congratulations to the people of London who get to watch this team next week. Um, my apologies. This might be the last game that Gus Bradley coaches. Um, like I said, I got the apology texts were flowing in from friends. That's, that's kind of when you know there's, it's that point in the year for the Jags. Um, outside of Allen Robinson still being Allen Robinson, as, as you aptly noted here, not a lot to like about this Jaguars offense. It, a lot of very, very basic play sets. Um, Blake Bortles looking indecisive um had a lot of he had issues with passes getting tipped it seemed like more than normal I mean that's kind of always been an issue for him but it seemed like the Ravens were getting their hands on on a lot of passes over the middle um running game still most I wouldn't say it was a complete disaster as it's been the first two weeks but it was close to a disaster um at least they were able to to kind of use use Yeldon and, and Chris Ivory who made his debut in tandem but Ivory to me, he's a guy who always runs hard. I think the dreadlocks help. The dreads are always like flying all over the place when he runs. Like it looks like he's he's like exerting maximum effort. Um, but he he was always just one or, you know one or two shoestring tackles away from breaking a four yard run into a nine or you know nine or ten yard run. Um, so that was still a, a major major issue. And when they needed to move the ball late in the game, uh, they were just unable to do it. Bortles finished with three picks. Um, just uh, did you catch any of this game? I hope you didn't. But no. it was just a, it was a comical no. end to this game. So there's five and a half minutes to play. Ravens are down one. Flacco's picked back to Sean Gibson. He brings it back into Ravens territory. Things are looking good, you know. No, less than a minute later, Blake Bortles picked off. Uh, I'm back into crying mode. Two plays later, Flacco picked off by Puzlesny. Jags got the ball back. Three and a half minutes. You know, up one. All you got to do, run the clock out a little bit, get one first down, and it's over. Oh, no. First down, stuffed, no gain. Second down, just got to kill time, right? No, incomplete pass. Third down, sack, Ravens call timeout, Ravens block a field goal. If we get five requests from the listeners, five requests for you to periscope yourself watching the London Jags game, would you do it? Well, I mean, that's going to be a really early kick. Yeah, so well, it might I'm, be a periscope of me like in bed watching the game. Is that fine? Well, I, if, if five people ask for it, would you do it? And I, I don't count. I'd have I'm to download. Gonna... Pay, yeah, I think I would. I mean, I just don't think. I mean, five seems like a crazy high number. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming high. Right. I, I think people. Yeah, I think I'll people want to just see like just how painful it is to be. I'm not very a animated with these games, honestly. I think it would be a disappointment. Um, I, only if the Titans game comes around, you know, I get a little jacked up for that. But right, yeah, the expectations game. are just so low at this point that it's hard to get upset. The rich history of those two franchises, uh, it's hard not to get jacked up for that game. Are you going to London this weekend for the game, by the way? I've heard one in ten families in Britain has an outside spa. Yeah, I could do maybe like an Airbnb. Uh, flights to London are usually pretty cheap, right? Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. short term. They're dirt cheap, especially on short yeah, notice. Dirt cheap international flight. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to Tim. Yeah, check, check, check with you on that. On flight to London. See if we can get a credential. I'm going to go with probably not as of now. Broncos 29, Bengals 17. Didn't think that was going to happen. Thought the Bengals would hold serve at home. Of course, they didn't. Jeremy Hill scored twice because I told everybody to sit him down this week against Denver. I thought he looked like 2015 Jeremy Hill the first two weeks. Now he looks like 2014 Jeremy Hill again. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue what to do anymore. You probably shouldn't ask for my advice at this point. Uh, Andy Dalton looked like Andy Dalton typically would against a quality defense like Denver. Didn't play all that well. 6.6 yards per attempt. A.J. Green, 8 for 77 on 11 targets. Uh, C.J. Anderson was kept quiet by the Bengals' offense. 
But the Bengals, or Bengals defense, or the Bengals defense was shredded by Trevor Simeon. 23 of 35, 312 yards, four TDs from Simeon. I just didn't think he had it in him, especially against no, a I good think, Cincinnati defense. Big time throws too. You know, I, I mean, when you, anytime you get to four touchdowns in the NFL, it's going to require, um, you know, more than just the, the kind of basic dumbed down offense that we saw from from Simeon at least in Week One and then parts of Week Two. But no, I think they they kind of allowed him to unleash himself a little bit more. And they, I think the the announcers during the game were commenting that Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. I, I don't think were especially Sanders weren't happy with you know, how the, how the targets were being distributed or how the ball was being aired out through the first couple of weeks. And what it came down to for me is that he just looked more confident. He, he looked like he was, you know, in charge of the offense and, and making throws that he probably would have been hesitant to make based on the risk uh, in the first two weeks of the year. So, you know, are we going to see this Trevor Simeon every week? I don't know, but I mean, this, this is better than any single game Brock Osweiler or Peyton Manning put together last season by a fair margin. If you had to decide today... Will Trevor Simeon have an 8.9 YPA or better in any other game this season? Would yes or no be even money that he could even do it once? Do the, the like replicate this performance? Yeah, just just an 8.9 YPA, even with fewer attempts, yeah. even if he only throws it 25 times and still does it. Do you think, think he could so. be that efficient again in any game remaining? I think on he the could schedule? because he did it against a pretty good defense. You know, I mean, he's got good. He's got good receivers with right. Sanders and Thomas. That that's a top five duo in terms of what those guys bring to the table. And they both played well. Twenty targets, as should be the case. I mean, if you're going to throw it thirty five times, two thirds of those targets should be going to those two guys. Sanders scored twice. Thomas scored once. Both over a hundred yards. I I think I think he could do it again. From a fantasy standpoint, though, do you trust him in anything more than a two quarterback league? Because if 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 you don't then nothing's really changed all that much. Maybe you look at him as a more viable streaming option with bye weeks kicking up in week four. But other than that, I just I don't know if I'm looking at him any differently than I was no. three weeks ago. No, I think it'd be foolish to, to kind of jump in and go all in on Simeon after just this game. But I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more encouraged. I would say I view him in, a, in, a, in certainly a more positive light than I did last year or last week, I should say. But I think you still have to target matchup to matchup with Simeon. You know, he's not just going to be a guy you throw in your lineup every week. If there's a very favorable matchup as far as the defense are going up against, maybe you think about it. But, you know, to me, he's still firmly in the probably the back end of that middle tier of quarterbacks. Like Alex Smith range. Right, right, right. Maybe maybe the upper end of the low tier. So maybe that is a slight bump from where like I had before. You're still playing him but behind Rivers, Stafford, of Ryan, right. Short of like a really bad matchup for more than three guys that you just mentioned. Well, that's the thing. What if you have Simeon and... I don't know. We'll say we'll say for sake of argument, Matt Ryan, and they're they're going up against each other. I don't even think they play this year. But you know, would you would you go Matt Ryan against that Denver defense or Trevor Simeon against that Atlanta defense? Simeon against I think Atlanta, so, right. which again, yeah, it comes down to the quality. But most of those weeks, matchups. I'd still go with Ryan. More often than not, I agree. Uh, looking at the Vikings and Panthers, also on the surprising end of the outcomes for this week, Vikings twenty-two, Panthers ten. Kelvin Benjamin was there, but. Cam Newton was like pretending as though Kelvin Benjamin was not there. Yeah, weird game. This this was up there um, with the with the Cardinals game to me as as one that I did not expect to turn out as it did. Um, I mean, Newton I think went down early in this game with a with an ankle injury or midway through the game, I guess, and it never really seemed to be the same after that. Um, just ten points from this Panthers offense. I mean, is it possible that the way that Green Bay looked for? a half of, of week three against Detroit and for you know most of the game against Jacksonville. Is it possible that this Minnesota defense is just that good and, and maybe Green Bay wasn't all that broken? How do you explain week one against the Jags for the Green Bay offense, though? 
I don't know. The offense didn't look terrible against the Jags. Minnesota looks legitimately good, and I guess Gus Bradley had almost yeah. a year to prepare for that game, so that could make him put together a formidable game plan. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's I, the Ken Wisenhunt model, right? Ken right, Wisenhunt well, yeah. in, in openers was okay. If you gave him 18 weeks to yeah. prepare for every game, like he can be well, a competent head coach. I remember reading like week two of the preseason that Gus Bradley said they had started prepping for the Packers. Right. Um, and they almost beat him. That was their best performance by far of this season. Yeah. Um, well, it was really hot, too. Right. So maybe when it's 95 yeah. degrees on the field, like the Green Bay offense isn't quite as good as it is yeah. when it's like 70 or less. Right. I mean, I'm not implying that there aren't issues with the Green Bay offense because there definitely are. But I think we have... You know, they, Minnesota frustrated the hell out of Mariota in week one, and that's not a great Titans offense, but they held the Panthers, who put up 46 points last week, to 10 points. They they kept Aaron Rodgers in check. I think some credit at least needs to go to this Vikings D, you know, is, is right alongside as, you know, we can decry the, the Panthers and the Packers offense, but Minnesota deserves credit. What do you think about the Minnesota offense, though, with McKinnon leading the way, only getting 2.8 yards per carry? Carolina's defense is good. Bradford getting 6.1 yards per attempt in the air, most of the production going to Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Stephon Diggs sort of coming back to earth, 4 for 40 on 7 targets. I mean, do you look at, at Diggs as a player whose value peaked after last week with that favorable matchup against the banged-up Green Bay secondary, or do you look at this as a case where Diggs really is like a top 15 or top 20 receiver here on out, and Carolina is just a pretty difficult matchup mm-hmm. for a top receiver. I think I still like Diggs. Um, top twenty seems about right. You know, and that's that's more speaks to the depth of talent at the receiver position more than anything else. Um, but yeah, it, after the week he had last year, or excuse me, last week, and, and the way that that Minnesota was able to move the ball this week, it's a little surprising to see him with only four catches. Um, but I think we're also to the point now where defenses are going to start keying on Stephon Diggs probably more than they ever have at any point in the past. Yeah, well, yeah, he'll get a lot of attention. And as we saw last year, once the attention shifted, it seemed for those first four games, the production really started to lag quite a bit. But nevertheless, I think his value's up. I just don't think it's up quite as much as some people were making it out to be up after he shredded a dysfunctional Green Bay secondary in Week 2. Redskins 29, Giants 27. Shane Vereen had control of this game until he fumbled, at which point Orleans Darkwa entered the mix. Vereen finished with 11 carries, 67 yards, and a score. Darkwa 10 for 53. If Rashad Jennings misses more time, I feel like we're still going to see an even split, just like we saw in Week 3 with these two backs, and that really chips away at the value of both of them, because if one guy could consolidate and get you 15 or 20 carries, plus a guy like Vereen who catches passes, there'd be something to like in this Giants offense at the running back position. Yeah, I mean, from a real football perspective, it's nice to have two guys who can produce like this, but it's a complete crapshoot if you're trying to choose between Vereen and Darkwell week to week. As far as the passing game goes, Eli finished 25 of 38 for 350 and a score, two picks, costly picks in this case, Odell Beckham 7 for 121. Also had an encounter with the kicking net on the sideline, which he did. I kind of feel like the kicking net won. It definitely won. Um, you got to wonder if a suspension's coming for the kicking net. Obviously, Beckham hit first. You don't know. I mean, was he provoked? Did the kicking net say something? And the kicking net is actually the one that struck back. And in these situations, you know, especially on the field when you see two guys kind of jawing, it's not the first guy who pushes or the first guy who shoves. It's usually the second guy who retaliates. So I, the league hasn't commented yet, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if that kicking net is, is visiting with Roger Goodell later in the week. It, it, well, it takes Goodell's slow to act, though. It takes a couple of weeks usually. Yeah, I mean, it, the kicking net will appeal, you know, but it could be something where we come week four, week five, then we, then we see him sitting out a game. Sterling Shepard gets in the end zone in this one, five for 73. He looks like the kind of guy that should have been going with the other first round receivers, right? If, if the 
Uh, the Texans had decided, you know, Will Fuller wasn't their guy. Shepard would have been just as good in that spot. I think Fuller and Shepard are both going to be quality NFL players, but the way the Vikings have uh, kept Laquan Treadwell pretty much sidelined through three weeks makes you wonder if they're having some buyer's remorse in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that a little bit. I mean, Shepard's looked really, really, really good, and I don't think this is too surprising. I talked to talked to Mario Puig on the XM show on Saturday about him, and he's he's been on Shepard for a while. You know, four year college player, a guy with the, his, I think his dad played in the NFL, uh, so no one's really surprised, I guess, that he that he's turned out as as he did. It's just one of those situations where the measurables don't look great, but. You know, I think that ended up dropping him. Was he second or third round pick? I think second. He was second. Second round pick. Yeah. And it's just, I think he's just one of those guys that no one around the league is surprised about or should be surprised about. Um, but he just, like, he just didn't have the measurables that could justify you know, a first round pick. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins briefly. 21-35, 296, two TDs. Uh, one to Jamison Crowder on a screen. Uh, one to Deshaun Jackson, who finished five for 96. Jordan Reed kind of quiet in this one, four for 56. Seems like a little window to buy him at a slight discount, though, right now because he's completely healthy. Washington, to me, still a team that's not going to run it all that well. Matt Jones was okay, not great, 3.8 yards per carry in this one. Uh, but Kirk Cousins getting the ultimate sign of disrespect from one Michael Vick on Twitter. Marcus Vick. That was Marcus Vick? Marcus Vick. I thought it was Michael Vick. I don't think so. No, it's, Ma- it's Marcus Vick. Oh. That's even better, right? That makes the yeah that guy. Yeah, it's definitely didn't Marcus, even realize Marcus, Marcus Vick was on Twitter. He's not verified, which is unbelievable. Wow, that is surprising. Going with the uh, the C on Kurt Cousins' first name, of course, it is. A we K. called him Kurt Cousins. We're that too, calling right. him Kurt and spelling it with a C. Like he spells it with a K. Kurt it's Cousins. like oh, I kind of know. Like I'm giving no. him a Kurt Warner treatment instead. But wow, that's uh, unexpected. Good to know Marcus Vick's still out there though. Mm-hmm. tweeting away he talks a lot of sauce his, his timeline is always good during nfl sundays it's just a lot of commentary i'm not surprised at all that you follow marcus Vick. i didn't follow him until this week really uh no yeah i know it seems like somebody i would be i'd be interested in following um but yeah he, he, he talks some sauce at mike wallace he talks some sauce at jerry rice uh at jerry rice well not really he said obj might end up being better than jerry rice thinking oh. emoji thinking emoji um, oh, I forgot to mention, and thanks, Marcus Vick, for reminding me, Joe Flacco completed 21 straight passes at one point against that Jags D. 21. <laughs> 21 straight. And, and he didn't have that been, good of a game, though. No, not really. But it would have been 22 in a row. Mike Wallace dropped a touchdown uh, that I believe uh, Flacco set the franchise record. He was, he was getting close. I don't know what the NFL record is, but it can't be a whole lot more than 22, right? No. It, it, well... It's probably a little more than 22, probably like in the 30s, but low 30s, yeah. I would guess. That's still crazy. Some uh, some breaking news pertaining to the Giants, by the way, as we were just talking about that game. Shane Vereen has a triceps injury and is out for the season. It's going to have season-ending surgery. So Orleans Darkwa sure. immediately vaults up the list of uh, waiver considerations because if Rashad Jennings is going to miss some time, I think Darkwa could be the lead back there. There's a good chance he's available in a good number of leagues. Rams 37, Bucks 32, lengthy lightning delay in this game. Todd Gurley scoring twice, getting 27 carries, 85 yards. Didn't, didn't have any big plays in this game, but that's in line with what you expect Gurley to do in a week where he's slowed down from an efficiency standpoint. You're expecting at least one score if the Rams are going to score any points at all. So I think Gurley owners feeling a lot better today than they have each of the last two Mondays. Charles Sims, 19 touches, 124 yards, and a score. Uh, combining all those touches from scrimmage. Very efficient game from him. Jameis Winston, 36 of 58 for 405, three TDs and a pick. Mike Evans, 10 for 132 and a score. 
Adam Humphreys getting targeted 12 times to Vincent Jackson, 6, 9 for 100 from Humphreys. And Cameron Brait scoring twice, also getting 10 targets in this one, 5 for 46 from Brait, who seems to be up in terms of value mm-hmm. with Austin Severian Jenkins getting cut going into the weekend. Yeah, the Severian Jenkins situation was always a little bit weird. And, you know, whether whether it was him, whether it was Braid, I think with, with Severian Jenkins now completely out of the picture, you can finally feel a little bit more comfortable about going with Braid. And certainly his performance in this game makes you feel even more comfortable. But very disappointed in this Tampa Bay team. How do you allow 37 points to the Rams? I don't know. I, I've been doing this weekly radio spot with the morning show in Tampa. And I think every week I've been praising the Bucks as a team on the rise. I thought they'd go into Arizona and play well. I thought Jeff Fisher's team would lay an egg in this game after showing up last week against Seattle. I think next week now is the egg game. They're probably going to stop calling me, like I I would guess, because I (laughs) have sounded like a complete idiot. If you've listened to what I said and then looked at what actually happened, it's been a disaster, but what else is new? Uh, Charles Sims looks like he's going to be a legitimate like low-end RB1, high-end RB2 yeah. in the absence of Doug Martin, which could extend through the bye week, but tough sledding for the Bucks the next two weeks. They get uh, both Super Bowl teams from last year with the Broncos and Panthers on the schedule before their week six bye, so could be um, a rough week or two for right. the Tampa Bay offense before things open up a lot week seven uh, and beyond. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates, choose from the drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Also stunning, the Seahawks bouncing back, winning big over the Niners. Actually, that's not that stunning because I had it had it going down that way where Seattle's offense would at least get well. But Russell Wilson getting dinged up in this one. He's going to have an MRI. Trevon Boykin jumping in there, playing reasonably well. Did throw a pick, but also threw a TD pass. Uh, Thomas Rawls might be losing this job to Kristen Michael. Rawls was inactive for this game. Michael had 106 yards and two scores on 20 carries. Doug Baldwin putting up a big number, 8 for 164 and a score on 10 targets. Jimmy Graham also looking kind of like vintage Graham, 6 for 100 and a score on 9 targets. And Seattle's offense was ugly in the first two weeks. Assuming that Russell Wilson isn't going to miss time with his knee injury, do you expect more of the same now going forward in Seattle? I think so. Yeah, I mean, the, the first two weeks to me seemed like they had to be a fluke. You know, I mean, this was this was not a seven and a half point per game offense. Um, I think Wilson was probably more hampered in week two than than Seattle was willing to let on. Uh, and this is probably a better representation of what we're going to see. Uh, really glad that I started Eric Decker over Doug Baldwin in, in an important league this week. Well but done. I'm with you on Christian Michael. I think. Rawls never really had a, an extremely firm grasp on this job, and I, it's not necessarily his fault that he lost it, I guess. You know, injuries seem to be the reason there, but after a game like this from Kristen Michael, I don't think they they necessarily have the motivation to you know, give Rawls the necessary carry load that, that you'd really worry too much about, about Michael's value. So looking at the other side of this, Carlos Hyde, 21 carries, 103 yards, two TDs, pretty impressive, really, against the good Seattle defense. 
Are they going to make a change at quarterback? You know, looking ahead to week four, is Colin Kaepernick uh, maybe. going to replace Blaine Gabbert? I was kind of surprised with the the upswell of, I don't know if support's the right word, or maybe it was just lack of support for Blaine Gabbert. Um, I mean, they were really close to cutting Colin Kaepernick. The, the, the lack of support for Blaine Gabbert? People were all over Blaine Gabbert last week. For what? For being, like, a competent quarterback. I think it, I was, it was, I want to say it was the Simmons pod. Uh, he had Mike Lombardi on on Friday, and I think he had him choose between uh, Tannehill, Gabbert, and Bortles going forward, and, and they were both on Gabbert. Not that Bill Simmons is a, an official voice on the NFL by any means, but I think there's, there was some support for In Gabbert. In what context? Like just, real, just like like real life? For this season, yeah. Like people, people are not out on Blaine Gabbert, as they should be. I, I've had plenty of bad takes over the years, like many, many bad takes, but that, that is a bad take. That is a horrible yeah. take. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a lose-lose at this point with those options, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's time for a quarterback change yet. I, from an entertainment perspective, I would prefer that they go with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, the, the Niners aren't making the playoffs. I think that's the they're more fun to watch when they when they have that mobility at quarterback. Although Blaine Gabbard all of a sudden gained the ability to run the ball uh, over the last season and a half, so that's been a nice little wrinkle. But I, I think they have to sink a little bit lower before they they switch over to Kaepernick. I mean, a divided nation rooting against Colin Kaepernick would be pretty. Well, that's, that's part of this too. Is how do you think? You know what Colin Kaepernick has turned into as this kind of symbol, I guess, leader of the national anthem movement over the past couple of weeks. Like, ideally, it doesn't affect his his role with the team or his on field role, but that's kind of impossible. You know, it does. So, I mean, do you think the Niners factor that in? Does that you know his new persona? Does that increase his chances of playing? Does that decrease his chances of playing? If it did anything, it'd be it'd decrease his chances of playing. But if it really hurt him know. that much, they would have cut him and just... But I think his, he's like viewed more favorably now by a lot of people. Well, I think it, it's, 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 gone, it's, it's gone one direction more, or the other. Like right, if, exactly. If anybody was neutral on him previously, they've either just been yeah, like, yeah, right. I, I agree with the, the message he's trying to exactly, send, but or I, think for a team, I hate him, I love the flag, and it's just like, yeah. it's, it's the worst conversation right. of all it time. It could go either way. I think for if they're sitting at one and five in a few weeks, and you're just looking for a reason to kind of drum up some excitement around your team, maybe you throw him in. It's the same reason that Tim Tebow kept you know getting brought in and continues to be brought in by teams, not in the NFL anymore. Different, different but, sport now, right. but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's it could hurt or help him. I don't, I'm not really qualified to, to comment on that. Well, they got to make a move eventually. Yeah. Just, you're paying him enough money where it just exhausts the possibility that he actually is your quarterback because yeah. you're not looking at Blaine Gabbert I don't, I just as don't that buy long-term this, guy. I don't buy that his skills just drastically regress in, in the it, matter of a few weeks. You know, It, it just doesn't make sense. No, I don't know. We'll Chiefs see. 24, Jets 3, Ryan Fitzpatrick 6 picks, 4.3 yards per attempt. Decker and Marshall were bad. They just wrecked the Bills' defense, which the Cardinals could not do, as we saw on Sunday. We saw a little more Bilal Powell involvement. Perhaps he's worth stashing in leagues where he was cut in case Matt Forte goes down with an injury. But in, Ryan Fitzpatrick was just so bad, the Jets never had a chance. Yeah, this was an odd game, and it probably should have been more of a blowout, really. I mean, this, I guess this is typical Kansas City to just kind of do what they have to do to win a game. When you're throwing six interceptions, uh, to only get 24 points out of that is pretty surprising. Got some facts for you uh, okay, as far as facts. six interception game. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, six picks, 4.3 yards per attempt. First player with six picks in a game since Peyton Manning in 2007, so we almost made it a full decade. First player with six picks and zero touchdowns since Tom Tupa in 1989. Nice. Isn't Tom Tupa a punter? I was not alive in 1989. What? Uh, I believe Tupa, after being a quarterback, became a punter. And Wait, uh, what? 
I, I think that's what gets the story. I mean, and, my earliest memories of football are basically playing like Madden 1998, and he was always a punter. He played quarterback and transitioned to punter. Thomas Joseph Tupa Jr. is a former American football punter and quarterback in the National Football League. What? Huh. Yeah. He, um, he was on Tecmo Super Bowl Great. as well. That's very interesting. All right. Well, he, he threw six picks and no touchdowns once. So what is that? 27 years between zero touchdowns, six pick games. Very cool. Nice. And teams, uh, one 32 and one all time when their quarterback throws six picks. Did the Colts win that game that Manning no. threw six picks in? I wanted, I looked this up earlier. I don't have it in front of me, and it, it's kind of complicated to, to punch all that in. Uh, but I want to say it was Fran Targenton who wow. won the game. He was on there multiple times. All right. Well done, Fran. Uh, Travis Kelsey with a big game for the Chiefs, 6 for 89 on a score. Jeremy Macklin, pretty quiet, 4 for 35. Spencer Ware, 20 carries, 75 yards, no TDs in this one. Uh, Jamal Charles, to me, with the bye looming in Week 5, why would you bring him back in week four? I think in week six we see Charles again, but it might be a timeshare where Ware still has some value. That being said, if you're getting good offers for Spencer Ware, sure, entertain them and possibly act on them because I think Ware in a timeshare is a lot less interesting. He needs Charles to have some kind of setback to have RB1 value beyond week five. Colts 26, Chargers 22, Andrew Luck not too bad in this one, 24 of 37, 8.9 yards per attempt, had a TD and a pick. T.Y. Hilton did a lot of damage, 8 for 174 and TD on 11 targets. Chargers secondary got banged up. We saw Frank Gore carry 21 times for 82 yards and a score. Could have had two, but Robert Turbin uh, took one away in this game. Indy hasn't had a 100-yard rusher since Vic Ballard. Is that real? Yeah. I guess the running back situation is pretty bad. Yeah, they haven't had a 100-yard rusher since December 16th of 2012. Gross. That, that was Vic Ballard. Prior to that, I think the, the previous two 100-yard games were Donald Brown. Uh, so it's been a while. It's been a while. Gore, I want to say he was at like 75 yards in the first half. Um, and the, the, the reason I brought up the streak is I, I was listening to NFL Nation on the radio, and they, they were talking as if the streak was going to be over. And I think they, they used a sentence like, well, it's finally time they snapped this streak. It's something, you know, it's got to be 40-plus games if we're going back to 2012. Uh, and Gore finished with like seven yards in the second half and didn't really get anywhere close. Yeah, that's uh, – this was the one week where I really liked Frank Gore. He was so cheap on FanDuel too. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's probably cheap everywhere. But right. I actually, actually like the idea of using him in DFS and in season-long. Travis Benjamin – only targeted seven times, four catches for 82 yards. He lost a fumble. Melvin Gordon was held in check. I thought Gordon would go off. That was kind of a so chalky too, yeah. play this week. 16 carries for 35 yards. Did find the end zone, and he caught four passes for 43 yards. So a good fantasy performance, but just not the monster game I was expecting. That being said, I think he's a top 10 running back here on out. Yeah, I think without a doubt. I mean, it's, you have to view this as, you know, maybe not as baseline, um, but... I think what he did in the passing game, I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable, although without Danny Woodhead, we didn't really get to see like last year what that was going to look like. Um, so it might take a few games to see just how involved he is in the passing game. Um, but but even if he does have a game like this where he's stifled yardage-wise, he's got, he's got to be almost a lock, you would think, for one touchdown. I mean, the San Diego offense always seems to move the ball, even in games that they lose, um, and they just don't have any other options, which from a fantasy perspective is kind of the best-case scenario if you're a Gordon owner. Yeah, it really is. Now, as far as the... Other pass-catching options go in San Diego. Hunter Henry played reasonably well in the absence of Antonio Gates. How about 5 for 76 on 5 targets? We saw Tyrell Williams get targeted 9 times. 6 catches, 69 yards. It seems like he's that number 2 receiver right now behind Travis Benjamin. 
Eagles 34, Steelers 3? For real? Like, is that, is that actually a real thing? Yeah, I had the privilege, I guess, if you're maybe if you're an Eagles fan of watching most of this game. And, and this was, if anything, I expected it to go the opposite way. I, I thought Carson Wentz would kind of drop back down to earth a little bit going up against a much better defense than the Browns or the Bears. But and this was a thorough beatdown, really, from start to finish by by the Eagles. And I still am a little bit hesitant to buy in on them right now, but they're leading the NFC East and they've looked like the most complete team, you know, despite having that, that easy schedule in week one and two, this is a really, really good Steelers team that they manhandled. Yeah. I, that was surprising. I mean, the defense at the very least appears to be legit and Carson Wentz continues to impress. I, I still look at Wentz uh, kind of like a Trevor Simeon, Alex Smith value wise for, for fantasy standpoint, maybe a tick above, uh, a tick above Alex Smith, but not significantly above him. I think the issue in Philly is that Ryan Matthews is banged up already. He had an ankle injury that's bothered him for the last two weeks. I don't think he was on the injury report, but he was held out after the first quarter. Saw a lot of Wendell Smallwood in this one. 17 carries, 79 yards and a score. 8 carries, 42 yards and a score for Kenyon Barner. But if Smallwood's available in your league, I think he's a must-add at the running back position in case Matthews' injury lingers beyond mm-hmm. the Week 4 bye. You're not going to get running back relief right away because the Eagles are off in Week 4. But that split, with Smallwood getting twice as many carries, bodes very well if Matthews does miss additional time. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and Smallwood you know, did get some garbage time in this game with, with Philadelphia being up big, but still 17 carries. Um, and I, I think Kenyon Barner, you can't really read too much into that I don't think he's going to be getting eight carries in most games so I think Smallwood is firmly the guy to have uh, behind Ryan Matthews like you said if that ankle injury turns into anything that costs him multiple weeks Le'Veon Bell's suspension is now up after these first three games D'Angelo Williams did a lot less than I expected only 44 yards on 12 total touches thought he could go over 100 yards pretty easily but Jim Schwartz's defense as I mentioned looking very legit now with this quality win at home against Pittsburgh I want to see a little more Sammy Coates I mean we saw Antonio Brown do Antonio Brown things 12 for 140 on 18 targets but Sammy Coates just ridiculous in terms of his efficiency so far only targeted 12 times in the season seven catches but he's averaging what like 26 yards a catch and 19 yards a target or something absurd like get this guy more involved I mean is it possible though now that Marcus Wheaton's back I don't know I mean I guess it is theoretically possible but I think this is still going to be Wheaton's job to kind of surrender at some point I don't know if that happens he only had one catch for two yards in this game it was targeted five times um I, I mean, I, th- I think I would still rather have Wheaton at this point. You know, I Coates has the advantage of of having the two games, you know, to to do, you know, kind of position himself, I guess, in this receiving core. Um, but it is still Antonio Brown and everybody else. I mean, look at the target distribution. 18 for Brown. Next highest was D'Angelo Williams at 7. It's what made me wonder if maybe the Steelers have some interest in Austin Safarian Jenkins. I know they like Jesse James, but Safarian yeah. Jenkins seems to be more of a polished weapon as a pass catcher you right now. You would think now. there'd be. I mean, the tight end position is so down, I think, overall right now. I'm a, I'm a little surprised that we haven't really seen anyone jump on Safarian Jenkins just yet. W- would he be a consideration for you if you're the Packers? Kind of the anti-guy that Green Bay would ever consider. But if you were Ted Thompson, do you take a look? Yeah, I think I think you would. And I think the funny thing about the Packers is that they've developed this reputation for being a, a cleaner organization than they really are. I mean, like, they're not that different compared to other teams, but... Johnny Jolly's a good guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Eric, Eric Walden, I think, was, was charged with domestic abuse while he he's was... He's gone, though, yeah. He's gone now. But, I mean, they've had players over the years where it's kind of been quietly just swept under the rug, and those players will either just leave and no one really brings Shout it up. Mark or, Jumura, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm that's not... That's a jersey you see way too much. That, that one, I don't get that. Like, I don't what's, know. I what, think it's become ironic now. 
No, like, but like, really? Like, why? He's, he's a two-time Pro Bowler. But still, like, why are you wearing a Chewy jersey? Like, what's what's wrong with you? Hey, I don't own one. I don't. I don't. I, I know you don't. I don't own a but... single Packers item, let alone jersey. That's amazing for it's tough to avoid yeah. to think about like where you grew up and that you have no packers clothing at all is statistically probably an anomaly but oh yeah absolutely. i mean it's amazing my dad has two packers jerseys but they're like they're the like the coles edition right you know what i'm talking about like, with a logo on the neck well right yeah the lo- <laughs> well no no logo on the neck at all there's there's just like a, a green g kind of in the center oh, center chest driver. yeah uh, sleeves, you know, obviously are much longer than. Why the do they do that? Why do they make those? I mean, people, people buy them because they're cheap. For people like my dad, who don't want to spend, you know, one hundred thirty bucks on a nice one. Ugh, just those jerseys just just bother me. I know. Just, trust me, they. I've had a lot of talks with him about it, but he's not budging. Cowboys thirty-one, Bears seventeen. Jeremy Langford left with an ankle injury. Jordan Howard looked pretty good. Uh, total of ninety-two yards on thirteen touches, including four catches for Howard, who I think has top twenty running back potential if Langford misses time, even in a bad Chicago offense, because mm-hmm. they're going to have to run the ball a lot. When they're behind, they're going to dump it off. And if he's catching passes, that gives him a nice floor. Uh, Zach Miller scored twice, 8 for 78, 9 targets, probably on a lot of people's benches after two quiet games to begin the season. We'll see what happens with Langford's injury heading into uh, week four. Brian Hoyer, 30 of 49, 317. The two TDs both going to Miller. Dak Prescott looking pretty good in this one, 19 of 24, 248, and a score, including 4 for 36 on the ground with a rushing TD. Alfred Morris had a rushing TD. Lance Dunbar had a rushing TD. Pretty much everybody except for Zeke Elliott, who went 30 for 140, long of 21, and 2 for 20 as a pass catcher, but did not score in this game. That touchdown very easily could have been his. It was one of those drives, and if you listen to the the commentary for the game, basically the Cowboys – wanted to give Ezekiel Elliott periodic rest throughout the game. So instead of instead of, you know, running Elliott one play and then bringing in Morris, it was, you know, Elliott's getting all the carries this drive and then, you know, whatever drive it was that they scored, Alfred Morris happened to be the back. I mean, he went in from 2 yards out. It very easily could have been uh, Ezekiel Elliott's touchdown. If you have any concern at all about Ezekiel Elliott's workload, you're not giving him 30 carries in a game that you're winning handily. You're giving Alfred Morris 10 carries in a game like that or 12 and Elliott's getting 18 to 20. Like that that to me is such a lousy explanation from the Cowboys as far as what they were trying to do. Uh, Des Bryant hurt his knee on the second play, stayed in the game, caught three passes for 40 yards and a score, only targeted six times, but Dak threw it 24 times, so you can't really look at that and, mm. and freak out too much about it. The Beasley versus Witten give and take continues. Witten quiet in this one. Beasley very involved, seven for 73 uh, on seven targets. I think Dez is going to be fine. Maybe the MRI is very precautionary, but it's worth keeping an eye on the results. Yep. Uh, nonetheless, Kevin White was targeted 14 times this he game. Good. Six for 62, so perhaps his value on the rise as he gets more accustomed to a Chicago offense that, of course, he missed all of last year in, so he's still basically a rookie in terms of mm-hmm. the experience. Anything on tonight's game? Falcon Saints. Saints favored by three in this one. <sighs> Anything that you want to throw out there? Do you expect it to hold up to the um, expected form of being a, a very good shootout? I don't know. We've, I feel like we've, we always say this about the Saints. We said this last week about Saints-Giants, and what was that, a 17-13 game or something? Well, Giants um, kicked a million field goals because yeah, Ben McAdoo, as we a said, is fumbling. a bad coach. And yeah, I don't. This is, and we talked about this last week, too. This is one home of too, a though. thousand meetings between these teams per year. I, don't, I, have no, I never know what to, 
what to pick in these games. You know, it could be Saints 35, Falcons 3. That wouldn't surprise me. It could be Falcons 35 to 30. That wouldn't surprise me. It could be Falcons 10, Saints 7. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. You never really know when these two teams meet. Uh, the New Orleans home factor is a little overrated to me at this point. I think three years ago that was still a thing, but this is a team that's basically been 500 at home over the last few seasons. Um, the Monday Night Football promo commercials have been great again. Really like the one for this uh, for this week. Although I think it's a U two song. Not a big U two fan. I'm not either. Uh, but it was it was a cool commercial. Looking forward to the rest of those for the season. Uh, but that's about it. There's a big debate tonight, right? I don't do politics. <sighs> was it a sports debate? No. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some of those too, like a presidential debate. Yeah, that'll be enlightening. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's going to conflict with this game for a lot of people. I'm guessing most people are going to watch the game. Really? I I don't know. I mean, I've I've two roommates who are big sports fans, and I'm literally talking to them right now and trying i'm trying to talk them into watching this game and they're like no we're watching the debate why don't you guys just get two tvs and well, we do, at least run the game with the well, sound you gotta, you gotta take into account that there's a video game tv you know there's something oh you gotta have that there. going too well maybe you i don't want to get video into it but tonight. let's just say we have a three-way dynasty mode going on ncaa football right now um i don't want to get into too many details it sounds it's, intense it is very intense actually it's kind of torn us apart well good luck with your roommates Thank and you. and I mean, anyone who's going to watch the debate may, yeah, may you just find some sort of comfort in what you're about <laughs> to witness because yeah. it's going to be a disaster. Yes, it is. It's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by NoHalftime.com. Waiver targets coming Tuesday with Jake and Eric. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Plenty of points coming in that game. Has to be. Has to be a big scoring game, Nick. I'm telling you. All right, you're taking the over. Taking the over and find yourself a hot right. tub, Nick. It's the only way to feel better about the situation <laughs> that's happening I can do. in Duval. that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa know-how everyone is talking about magnesium It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.